0: Any others? Okay. Find uh, Daniel Chapter Ten Spiritual Warfare in High Places. Daniel Chapter Ten. says in the third year of Cyrus king of Persia a word was revealed to Daniel whose name was Belshazzar and the word was true and it was a great conflict and he understood the word and had understanding of the vision in those days I Daniel was mourning for 3 weeks I ate no delicacies no meat or wine entered my mouth nor did I anoint myself at all for the full 3 weeks On the twenty-fourth day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from uh, Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia. And came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the later days. For the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, Old man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I've come to you? But but now I will return to fight against the Prince of Persia, and when I go out, behold, the Prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. And as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. Daniel 10 introduces us to Daniel's last three chapters, which will constitute the fourth and the final vision in the book the fourth and the final vision. Now, the vision isn't going to be laid out until chapter 11. Chapter 10 is a prelude to the vision. Now, chapter 10 is fascinating in that it pulls the veil back and it allows us to see inside the workings of the spiritual world. Folks, that's what's going on here, that the veil's pulled back and that's the scene that we witness. We, we get a glimpse into the unseen spiritual world. Now, years ago, there was a series of books. They were fiction, but nonetheless, they were quite popular by Frank Peretti. Did anybody read any of those books? This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness. Uh, like I say, fiction books, but they were based on this unseen spiritual warfare that the Bible tells us is going on. We know that the spirit world is made up of angels and demons, and the two have their commanders, God and Satan. Revelation 12, in fact, tells us that when Satan rebelled against God, he drew a third of the angels with him, and these became the demons. Now one class of demons tried to have relations with human women and so the book of 2 Peter tells us that that class of demons is reserved in chains in a place of darkness. But other demons run to and fro on the earth. Now the demons of course do the bidding of Satan. Now I want you to keep in mind Satan is not omnipotent like God. He can't be everywhere. He's not all powerful. Uh, We do not believe in dualism. Uh, Under dualism, there are two sovereigns. There's God and there's Satan. And the two sovereigns are battling it out. The Bible doesn't say there's two sovereigns. There's only one. And that's the true and the living God. So Satan has to have his demons go and do much of his bidding. In fact, there, in, in the Old and New Testament both, there are very few people. There's only about six or seven people in both Testaments that are said to have actually personally encountered Satan himself, whereas we see demonic activity more widespread. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians 6 that we're engaged in spiritual warfare and we battle simp- not simply against flesh and blood but against princi- principalities and powers in high places. Now in Daniel 10 we're given a first-hand account or glimpse into this spiritual warfare. First of all I just simply want to uh, talk to you tonight about the background and then we're, then we're going to look uh, secondly at the vision And then we're going to make uh, four or five applications out of the text, okay? So the background. The background is given to us in verses 1 to 4. In verse 1, we're told that all this happened during the third year of Cyrus. And so that would have been 536 B.C. Now that's important for us to know because two years have now passed since Cyrus issued the decree for the Jews to go back home after the exile. So the 70-year exile in Babylon is over now, okay? Over 49,000 Jews returned back home. Now that's all. Most of the others had grown accustomed to living in Babylon. And so they stayed. They chose not to go back home. But again, close to 50,000 went back to Jerusalem, But Daniel was not one of them. It is believed that by now Daniel is way too old to have made that journey. Time we get to chapter 10, Daniel would have been up in his 90s. And yet we see here that God is not done with him yet. Perhaps God had him stay behind to continue to be a witness to those Jews that didn't return. Uh, And that certainly might be true, but uh, again, probably most likely is he's just simply too old to have made that journey. Now, folks, let's think of how it might have been for Daniel. He watches many of his kinsmen pack up and go back home. It it must have been a very emotional time for him. And uh, verse 2 says that Daniel was mourning for three weeks. Now, probably several things led to his mourning. What I've just alluded to, first of all, the fact that his kinsmen are gone. Daniel misses some of them. Uh, By now also, word has filtered back to him that things are not going so well in the rebuilding efforts. You know, when they got back, many of their neighbors in and around Jerusalem opposed the rebuilding efforts and tried to stop them. You see much of that in the book of Nehemiah and that was a great burden to Nehemiah as as well to hear that his kinsmen back home, the rebuilding efforts were going so slowly and the city was still in such shambles and also Daniel might have been burdened because many of his countrymen decided for one reason or another not to go back home and so perhaps that burdened him somewhat as well folks are are we ever burdened by things do we look at the condition of God's people do we look at what's going on in the world do we ever carry a heavy burden for folks I hope we do Well, verse 3 says that Daniel fasted. Fasting is coupled together with prayer when people have a heavy heart and they want to pray. Now, in in the Bible, fasting uh, points out that when people really want to be uh, spiritually in tune and they just want to forget about everything else and just concentrate on prayer and seek in the face of God, uh, oftentimes they would fast. You'll remember that occasion in the Gospel of Mark when the parents brought their demon-possessed son to the disciples and asked them to cast the demons out of their uh, boy. They couldn't do it. When Jesus came off the mountain, he did it. And the disciples said, why couldn't we cast these demons out? And Jesus said what? He said, this kind comes out only by what? Prayer and fasting. Well, Daniel was praying and fasting. And then beginning in verse 5, we see this vision that he gets. Beginning there in verse 5, he says, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist... His body was like barrel, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. Now a lot of scholars believe This heavenly being that Daniel saw was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't agree with them and I'll tell you why in a minute. But a lot say that when you read Revelation chapter 1 and you see the vision of the glorified Christ that the Apostle John saw, that this description here uh, certainly seems to fit with that. But uh, I have great reservations in thinking that this was Jesus. And there's a hint in the text of why I believe it's not Jesus. Did you pick up on what that hint might be? Okay, well, he was sent, certainly. I guess you could make a, a, a case for that. But there's something else down in verse 13. Okay, and Claude, what, what would that mean? He was detained by who? Okay, by the prince of Persia, demonic force over Persia. And he needed somebody to come and help him, right? And who was it that came to help him? Michael. Michael. Now, does that seem to fit with the description of Jesus Christ? That Jesus Christ would need an angel to come and help him against the demon? Just doesn't seem to fit. And so for that reason, I don't believe it was Jesus, but just simply some high-ranking angel. Now Daniel's friends tremble. Uh, they know something's going on, even though they don't see what Daniel is allowed to see. And Daniel's response is that he falls on his face. Now, have you ever noticed that that is a common response in the Bible when either angels or the Lord Jesus shows up? What do people do? Fall on their face. You know, sometimes people today kind of make light of the Lord appearing. I read a testimony one time by Dr. John MacArthur. He said one Sunday a man walked up to him and was boasting and saying... Oh, Jesus shows up all the time to see me and, and I talk to him. And, uh, you know, when I'm in the bathroom in the morning shaving, Jesus will show up and talk to me. And MacArthur said, well, what do you do? The guy said, I'll just keep shaving. MacArthur said, well, I doubt you've seen Jesus then. Uh, verse 10, look at verse 10 here. It says, and behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. Now this could be a Gabriel. After all, Gabriel has already appeared to Daniel earlier in the book. Then look at verse 11. He said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Daniel's assured that he was greatly beloved. This must have been very comforting to him. He makes it clear that God wants to communicate with Daniel and he wants Daniel to understand. And so in verse 12 it says, Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. And so Daniel is assured that from the very first day of his praying, his praying was heard, And God had sent an angel to bring the answer. But look at what happens. The prince, uh, verse 13 says, The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia. Now it is generally felt here and commonly written about that this is a demon Not a man. That the prince of Persia came and withstood him. Now what would lead us to go in that direction? That it's some type of demonic figure. Who has come to dispatch an answer to Daniel? Is it a man? No. It's an angel, right? And this angel is... Detained, would an angel be detained by a man? No. And so it's commonly believed this prince of Persia must also be referring to some type of spiritual being. A demon, because he's warning one of God's children not to get an answer from God. And so the angel is intercepted and delayed. And verse 13 says that a spiritual warfare, spiritual battle went on here for 21 days. And then Michael, one of the chief angels, came to assist Gabriel, now assuming this is Gabriel. And then beginning in verse 14, the heavenly being tells Daniel that he has come to tell Daniel what is to happen to his people, namely the Jews. In the latter days. Now that will be the content of chapter 11. The vision of what is going to happen to Daniel's people, the Jews, that's going to be the content of the vision in chapter 11. And we won't get into that tonight. But uh, I want you to notice Daniel's response to all of this is that he was simply overwhelmed and breathless. Well, what I want us to do, I I want to talk about some points of application from this passage tonight. And I'm going to give you a number of those. Uh, But first of all, I want you to write down that this text reveals that we are definitely engaged in spiritual warfare. I want you to turn with me back to the book of Job a minute. Back to the book of Job. Job is just right before the book of Psalms. Okay, Just right before the book of Psalms. Job chapter 1. Mm Mm-hmm. It is, isn't it? Look at verse 6. It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land, but stretch out your hand. And touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Well, we know what happens in chapter 1. Job's children are killed and Job loses his wealth. And yet Job still praises God. And Satan comes back before God and says, you know, Skin for skin, everything a man has, he'll curse you to your face if you touch his flesh. And so then, beginning in chapter 2, what Satan is allowed to do is cause Job health trials. And still Job praises the Lord and doesn't sin. But what's the point that I'm making here? There's spiritual warfare going on, right? Satanic activity. Then you get, you turn back. We won't read uh, this chapter now, but in 1 Kings 22. Remember Ahab, the kings of Judah and Israel are about to go into battle at Ramoth, Ramoth Gilead. And Ahab wants to know whether or not he should go into battle. And he calls for all of his prophets. And all of the prophets say, Yeah, go. The Lord is going to prosper you and you're going to win and be okay. And and the other king says, is there not a true prophet of the Lord that we can call on? And he said, yeah, there's another guy, Micaiah, but he never says anything good about me. He says, well, let's bring him in, see what he says. Uh, When he's brought in, uh, he's told, now all the other prophets have said go. You cooperate and say go too. And he says, well, I can only say what the Lord tells me to. Well, you remember what he said, right? He said, I saw the host of heaven standing before God. And one of the spirits said to God... Let me go down and put a lying spirit in the lips of the prophets so they'll tell Ahab to go into battle and he'll be killed. And God said, go. And so all the prophets were lying and Ahab went into battle and indeed he was killed. But the point is one of the heavenly hosts said, "Let me go down and put a lying spirit on the lips of the prophets." And God said, "Go." And then turn with me over to Zechariah. Another thing this tells me that Satan still has access to heaven. Yes, and he's not always going to be allowed to have access. For now he does in uh, Revelation 12 talks about that, that for now he has access before the throne of God to accuse the brethren. But he's not always going to be allowed to have that. When he's kicked out from having that ability, his wrath is going to be kicked up because he knows his time will be short. Well, in Zechariah chapter 3, I want to give you yet another instance Says, he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those, who were standing before him, removed the filthy garments from him, and to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And he said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord was standing by. And then who can forget that occasion in the New Testament? And Luke... Where Jesus looked at Simon Peter and he said, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you, to sift you like wheat. And in the Greek, it's that he's he's asked permission of God to sift you like wheat. And he's been granted that permission. But I've prayed for you. And when you're restored, strengthen the brethren. Spiritual activity going on that oftentimes we're not even aware of. I'm going to have you turn one more place, Ephesians 2. But you think God limiting that power? Yes, limiting sure. Power with, with and- absolutely, absolutely. Uh, The amount of satanic or demonic activity is only at God's good pleasure, how far they're allowed to take it. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 2. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Unbelievers, people in this world, the things going on in this world and unbelievers raging against God and carrying on. What's behind that according to this verse? They're following the prince of the power of the air. And then over in Ephesians 6. Paul says finally in verse 10 be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood There's spiritual warfare going on that we do not see. But the Bible in both the Old and New Testament speaks of it. The Lord Jesus spoke of it. Now what's astounding here in Daniel 10 is that this warfare extends to what? What does this warfare, this spiritual warfare, what does it affect? Hmm Prayer, but even even it extends even into what happens among nations. Just think of the implications to that. Demonic powers behind some of the leaders of the world. How about, how about modern day Persia? Who's modern day Persia? Iran. And what's the leader of Iran said he wants to do? He wants to exterminate all of the Jews and wipe Israel off of the face of the man. Reckon that could be demonic power influencing him in that direction? Certainly. Okay, okay. Well, also mentioned here with the prince of Persia is the prince of Greece mentioned in verse 20. And so Daniel is told about the next two nations that are going to be in control of the world after Babylon and each of those kingdoms will have demonic power behind it. And so Satan has a foothold in the kingdoms of this world. Maybe that helps to explain a little more some of the corruption and the chaos we see in the news. Second point of application I want to give you tonight. Spiritual warfare can be a reason for the delay in our prayers now it's not the only reason but it can be a reason Daniel's prayer was not answered for a period of three weeks sometimes our prayers aren't automatically answered either Uh, let's think of some of the reasons why first of all there may just simply be something in the plan of God something in the plan of God Moses, uh, excuse me, Paul wanted that thorn in the flesh gone. And God said, I'm not going to remove it. My grace is sufficient for thee. He said, you know, "That's, that's going to keep you dependent. And you're going to learn about the sufficiency of my grace. And so sometimes prayers aren't answered or delayed because of something in the plan of God. Moses wanted to go into the promised land, but he was not going to be allowed to. A second reason prayers are de- delayed or not answered is selfishness. James 4.3 says, you have not because you asked not, and then when you do ask you ask for things that you can consume upon your lust selfishness a third reason is sinfulness listen to what Isaiah 59 says about sinfulness it says behold the Lord's hand is not short and that it cannot save or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. Sin. And then also what we see here, satanic activity, can delay or hinder our prayers. And so spiritual warfare can be a reason for the delay in answers to our prayers. Third truth I want you to see tonight. Angels are ministering spirits to the saints. Angels are ministering spirits to the saints. What does Hebrews say? Hebrews 1 13 and 14 says and to which of the angels has he ever said sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Angels ministering spirits. Have you ever read the book Angels by Dr. Billy Graham? You ever read that? Remember the story in there about the little girl? In the blizzard, knocked on the doctor's office one night. The doctor's home said, come quickly. My mommy's sick and dying. Come quickly. He grabbed his coat and his doctor's bag and he followed her, got into the house. Little girl led him down the hall to the bedroom. And there was a lady on her sick bed. And indeed, she was gravely ill. The little girl all of a sudden was nowhere to be found. He said, ma'am, it's a good thing. Your daughter came to get me. She said, sir, I don't have a daughter anymore. Sure you do. He came to get me. Um, She came to get me. No, sir, she died a couple of years ago. He described what she had on she said, go over there and open that closet. He opened the closet door. And the, the overcoat and everything that that little girl had on, the scarf and the overcoat was hanging in that closet. Now, we don't worship angels. 10, 15 years ago, there was, there was too much fascination in the country over angels. I mean, people were just obsessed With angels. We don't worship angels. We worship God. We lift up Jesus. We don't lift up angels. But the Bible tells us angels are there. In fact Hebrews 13 tells us. Some of us might have even entertained angels at some point. Unaware. Well lastly tonight. I want you to see that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5 talks about that. And of course the classic passage on that is Ephesians 6. Where he says, put on the armor of God. Put on that belt of truth and that breastplate of righteousness. And have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And... Take up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The weapons in spiritual warfare are not fleshly. They're not carnal. Okay? You know, so oftentimes we think we just need to do a little bit more. Let me attend one more Bible conference. Let me get a little more training. Let me read one more book on the subject of spiritual warfare. You know what we need to be doing? We need to be praying. We need to be praying. Spiritual victories are won through prayer. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Okay, next week we will get into what this last vision itself was. Okay? Any comments or questions tonight? It's getting kind of late. We need to get to our prayer time, but maybe you have a comment or a question. Okay. Of what now? Yes, yes. Because he's not sovereign. Mm-hmm. Well, God, God sometimes allows testing, temptation, testing, all of that, or allows testing. God doesn't tempt us, but He allows bad things to happen to prove the saints. God doesn't put us in a little protective bubble and not let anything bad ever happen to us. In fact, God was actually showing Satan a point that Job, God God had confidence that Job would come out shining, that Job would stand strong. But uh, God doesn't inoculate us from all bad or evil. Uh, He uses that to test us and to prove us. uh, His son, the Lord, he allowed his son to be tempted by the evil one and to go through mocking and scourging and even crucifixion. But ultimately, it was for our good and for His glory. That's right. Claude? Uh, apparently, the good angels cannot kill the bad angels and the bad angels cannot kill the good angels. Hmm. Therefore, what determines who wins? I mean, in our society, whoever gets there the most, just with the kills the most, wins. (laughs) The plan and the purpose of God. The plan and the purpose of God. God was going to eventually get the answer to Daniel. Yeah, it was delayed, but eventually, Gabriel and Michael prevailed, and he got the answer. Beyond that, something in the sovereign plan and purpose of God, we'll have to wait and ask the Lord when we see him. (laughs) Yes. Trust his life. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When Jacob wrestled with the angel, mm-hmm. but he just gave up eventually. I, I think instead of killing, one just gives up, maybe. Hmm. If we could only pull back the curtain and see what's really going on in the world. (laughs) I I think it would be quite eye-opening. Shocking. Scary. But God's children are comforted. We know who's in control. We don't live in fear. (laughs) yeah he drew out a third of the angels two two thirds are still the angels only one third are the demons yep right Mm -hmm. okay let's go to the Lord in prayer